Okay, I think it's up to me now. So hi everybody, um, welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is John Pater and I will be your service leader today. So I'm going to switch to screen sharing so you can see me a little bit, but you'll see mostly my screen. No, that's the wrong order, sorry. I need to do this first. There we go. So I'm presuming the screen is now sharing. So you can see, um, and please come into our worship space. You'll see your chairs there waiting for you. Uh, the summer services at UCE are an opportunity for members and friends of the congregation to be involved in leading and directing a summer service. People can share their passions and interests that may be of interest to the rest of our community. So the focus of today's service is something that I'm interested in and I'm passionate about. And that is this pandemic um, and its impact on city cultural life. I should say that um, this is partly personal passion and professional. I don't know how many of you know that I work for the city of Edmonton as a senior policy advisor. I don't know if that's a comment on my age, um, that I am coming close to that senior moniker, um, or the fact that I have lots of good advice to give. Um, but that is what I do um, in the area of intergovernmental affairs. So particularly the last five months, I've been really preoccupied with and focused on what other governments are doing, federal government, provincial government, and how that impacts what the city government has to do in terms of responding to a pandemic. So I'm bringing all that together with my love of culture, music, theater, um, particularly live theater, live music, and thinking about how what the city has had to do in terms of responding to the pandemic um, and our culture as a whole um, and what its impact is on city cultural life. And so in terms of beginning our service, the Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a liberal, religious, multi-generational community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free thinking, spiritual questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, we pursue the common good, and we work for justice. We believe in the compassion of the individual heart, the warmth of community, and the search for meaning in our lives. We gather with gratitude this morning on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to all of our children. And so as we begin this special time together, I invite you to quiet your devices, for sure your microphones, but also quiet yourself so that we can enjoy the service further. May we be reminded here of our highest aspirations and be inspired to bring our gifts of love and service to the altar of humanity. May we know once again that we are not isolated beings, but are connected in mystery and miracle to the universe, to this community, and to each other. So we're going to begin with a time of contemplation and music. Um, the prelude, 
the scene I have up there for you is a painting we have of the Edmonton Folk Music Festival, the hill, as it's usually occupied by 10,000 people all crowded together on tarps with the amphitheater, the stage, at the very bottom of the hill. And one of the performers that has performed there on several occasions is Bruce Coburn. And so we're going to begin with this piece of music of his called Anything Can Happen, which is very suitable for this time. It's kind of fatalistic, but maybe in some ways that's what we're feeling right now.
I just want to say uh, that song by Bruce Coburn, he actually wrote that back in 1988. So that was pre the fall of the Berlin Wall. We still had kind of lots of tensions east and west. But in the context now, 30, 40 years later, um, I think that song has a lot of relevance still yet again. Some opening words. Um, this from a wonderful film by Woody Allen called Midnight in Paris. And so you have a scene there, um, another painting we have the Paris Opera background, a famous literary cafe in the foreground, the crowds having come out of the opera house, gather at the cafe. Um, and these words from um, that film. How's anyone ever going to come up with a book or a painting or a symphony or a sculpture that can compete with a great city? You can't. Because when you look around, every street Every boulevard is its own special art form. And so we'll light the chalice with these words. This actually comes from our hymn book, hymn number 378, but these words, let those who live in every land declare that fear and war are done, joined by the labor of their hands in love and understanding one. So next I'm going to read a short story as a reading. And this short story is written by an Edmonton Unitarian who now lives in Amsterdam. Um, you may know him as Nathan Vandermolen Pater. He goes here by his pen name, Nathan Malektu. He's ever, never written before. We never knew he was a writer. He's a kind of computer genius. He's a math major. He's also a linguistics major. That's what he's studying in, in uh, Europe right now, combining linguistics um, with uh, computer science. But he actually wrote some, this was his COVID project, the two months during lockdown, where he actually decided to sit down and write some short stories. So this one is called Bird Spotting in Amsterdam. The end looks a lot more like an aviary than I thought it would. The birds fly from house to house and peer in the windows and the bird children exclaim, that one's eating and look at the other napping in the corner. And the bird mothers say, now don't tap on the glass children, you'll startle them. And it's hard enough being a person locked up in this little house all day. And we humans, we all do our best to be content in our houses and good entertainment for the paying guests. The birds circle their tree, parakeets and crows and cranes all together, and they sing to each other and they talk about why the people are out walking their dogs in the middle of a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday, a Thursday. The world was ending and the birds didn't know it. I was taking the same walk for the second time in a row because that's what you do when the world is ending and all there is to do is walk. I left the birds and their tree behind and I walked the park at the end of the world and I said hello to the sheep. There are some sheep in the park and they know nothing of the apocalypse and they wouldn't care about it if they did. They're just sheep leading their relaxed sheep lives. I said hello to the sheep and exchanged the usual niceties when a duck walked up to me and stood there wagging her tail feathers, much duck twerking. That's classic behavior for a duck, that attention stealing. 
I took a selfie with my new duck friend and I told her about the birds and the tree, how they all live together and how I don't know how that works. She said, how interesting. And she didn't mean it, but she was just being polite because it's the apocalypse and that's what you do when it's the apocalypse. She said she had to go because she had an appointment and I said I'd see her tomorrow. After the bird tree, something had changed. There was tension in the air and all the bird talk was of toilet paper, washing your feathers for at least 20 seconds. The apocalypse had come for the birds. Now the parakeets are in their tree bringing, their, bringing Tiger King. The parakeets used to argue with the coots like siblings of who got the top bunk and that still feels important, but they're not arguing anymore. The ducks remember how they used to enjoy swimming before it became a chore and they enjoy it again. The crows remind everyone to appreciate the shiny things and the pheasant and the stork are next door making vegan food and doing yoga and reading bad poetry to each other because it's the apocalypse and that's what you do when it's the apocalypse. So a short story by Nathan Malektu. We now come to a time in our service when we share our abundance. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a self-governing and self-supporting community. We rely on your donations to support staff and programs. During this unprecedented time, we need your financial support more than ever to maintain the connections with members and friends. So please visit our website for more information on how to donate. And then as we usually do with when we share our abundance, we share a portion of the money we collect for different charities. For the month of August, that charity is the Boyle Street Community Services. Now that we're not meeting in person, we hope you'll take some time to go to the Charity of the Month's website and donate what you are willing and able to do. And then as we usually do, we sing, although we're not going to sing quite this time, um, although with your mics off, you can sing as loudly as you want. So join me in singing. From you I receive, to you I give, together we share, and by this we live. Thank you for generosity. So a little reflection on my part. I think I changed the theme a little bit as the summer went along um, from the time we had to decide to do the services of what the topic was going to be. Um, so slowly I've shifted it over, but this is going to be now in two parts. Um, overall, kind of an, a reflection on the impact of a, of a pandemic on city cultural life. For this first part, I'm going to uh, reflect on and lament the loss of city cultural health and life. And the second part, I'll explore some of the policies required to enable us to live with a pandemic and reclaim some city urban cultural life. But first this lamenting, sorry, I didn't need to shift, shift to that. Oh, we're going all over the place here. There we go, stop, don't touch that. I was just talking to myself. So I'm gonna start by whining a bit here. Uh, this is my lament about how my life has been changed the last five months. My lament is in the context of being in a very privileged position. I'm healthy. I have the means to make my life enjoyable despite the circumstances. I have a job that I've been able to do from home, which has kept me even safer. 
In terms of my job location, since mid-March, my fifth floor condo with a view of downtown, I'm reminded that I now have a corner office with a view, which is a significant improvement over the, my former small cubicle office space. My privilege extends to the fact that I am a white, middle-educated, middle-age-ish male. I am part of a privileged class that is used to having the keys of the city, used to having freedom and ability to do almost anything I desire. The life I'm actually able to lead, despite its current constraints, means I really have very little to whine about. However, I have experienced loss, despite my station in life. I think it's a shared societal global loss of dynamic cultural city life. The closing down for a period of time of live theater, live music, nightclubs where dancing happens, live sports, live entertainment, museums, art galleries, local cafes, pubs, restaurants, bookstores, music stores, We've experienced the near total shutdown of these cultural activities and the dynamic city life that occurs in the entertainment districts and streets in our cities. And for me, this has particularly been noticeable in the canceling of the many summer festivals that burst out onto the streets and city squares and cities around the world. From my experience here in Edmonton, that starts in May with Opera Nuova's festival then the Edmonton International Jazz Festival, then the Free Will Shakespeare Festival, then Taste of Edmonton with its daily free music stages, then the Edmonton Folk Music Festival, the Edmonton International Fringe Theatre Festival, and then closing off the summer with Symphony Under the Sky. City cultural life has been dramatically altered during this time. I have been grateful, however, for the many attempts by artists and arts organizations to provide online quarantine versions of these festivals and productions. I've watched these online offerings get better as people figured out the technology required to put out good quality video and audio. And it has satisfied to some extent the loss of live musical and performing arts. I've been inspired and enriched by many of these online offerings and I'm grateful that pivoting to these online platforms has given artists some outlet and income for their lost performance opportunities. I was also among the first to go out to local cafes, pubs and restaurants when they could reopen again in May and June, of course, respecting the physical distancing rules and especially now wearing masks almost everywhere we go inside. Uh, so I'm thankful that that aspect of city cultural life has returned somewhat. Particularly in the summer months, some cultural life has returned to our streets, albeit with some restrictions. Tables in restaurants and cafes are further apart. Wait staff wear masks. We all wear masks as we enter. But at least that part of city cultural life is re-emerging. But, but it's not the same or enough as it was before. We've lost a creative, dynamic energy and a cultural freedom. There's something special now that I think about it, about a crowded, noisy cafe. People chatting, writing on laptops, reading newspapers, going to or coming from shows. And then we still have the continued closing of live music and theater venues, which is a huge gap in our city's cultural life, let alone for the artists. 
This is a loss, I would add, that's been experienced mostly in our cities. Urban cultural life has taken a bigger hit, I'd suggest, than life in rural areas of our country. I frequently said to myself the last several months, I may as well live in the country or go on a prolonged silent retreat given the cultural offerings these days. Theater, concert halls, folk and jazz clubs, nightclubs, stadiums and arenas were the first to be shut down when the pandemic arrived and they will be among the last to reopen. Having large numbers of people gather for music, theater, sports and entertainment will not really be possible for the next while yet. At best, we may have smaller gatherings, but that doesn't bills for most artists or venues. So the pandemic and our public policy response to it has resulted in our cities having the cultural life, the cultural heart muted and stilled for a time. And as a lover and promoter of dynamic city living, I am not okay with all that. So here's a musical lament, echoing, I hope, some of what I've said by Iris Dement. Iris Dement, this is actually a very sad song, so be ready for that, but I think it's appropriate for a time of mourning for what we've lost. This is Iris Dement and Our Town. They say nothing good ever lasts Well, go on now and kiss it goodbye But hold on to your lover Cause your heart's bound to die Go on now and say goodbye To our town, to our town Can't you see the sun setting down On our town, on our town Good night Go on now and say goodbye. 
you see on this slide, um, lamenting the loss of city culture, health and life, that's in Montreal. Uh, Leonard Cohen um, portrait has been painted onto a huge uh, tower and that's really close to McGill University. So part two of my reflection, this is the more positive side of things. So is there anything to be done? Can we reimagine our way out of this? Is there a way to devise public policies and measures that are required to survive a pandemic, but that could restore a semblance of cultural life to our cities? If you're a public policy wonk like I am, this is a fascinating time. This is about setting expectations and making rules for public behavior with a whole lot of unknowns and unpredictable courses of action. One academic from Oxford University describes it this way, quote, Routines have been radically disrupted with global society undergoing tremendous changes in a very short period of time. Some disruptions may last months, even years. Others may lead to permanent changes in the way we live after this pandemic is over. The worldwide response to the COVID-19 pandemic may be the first truly global natural experiment of the modern big data era. Policy thinkers at the city of Edmonton have also reflected on this global experiment and its impact on the city in a report titled Reimagine. 
I quote now from that report, as of June 2020, Edmonton, along with the rest of Alberta and Canada, endured two months of full economic shutdown due to physical distancing measures to contain the spread of COVID-19. While effective, it has significant economic and social consequences, and cultural consequences, I would add, particularly when large swaths of the economy are required to be shuttered. The damage already accrued from the economic shutdown is extreme and will have lasting effects on Edmonton. While this containment policy produced desirable public health outcomes and saved many lives, it also was the primary driver of a global recession. Even with the gradual reopening of the economy that is now underway, fear and uncertainty anticipated to continue shifting consumer and market behavior with ongoing economic effects. So that's from the city's reimagine report. The city of Edmonton has adopted a four stage model as it looks to the future. First was the response stage, then a relaunch stage, recover and reimagine. It resembles stages being used by provincial and national governments and by nations around the world. The response, the response stage was during the first two months of shutdown. The relaunched stage is happening right now. We're all testing what can and can't resume. We're taking what we've learned about the progress of this virus through human life and have begun making decisions about which public policies and measures are effective, which are not. We've now recognized that we're going to need to learn how to live with this pandemic. It will be with us for some time. What are those public policies and measures that we can put in place to allow some semblance of city cultural life to resume? Answers to these public policy dilemmas will help us move from the relaunch stage to the, to the recover and reimagine stages. The city's reimagine report suggests that there are some containment tools, such as face coverings, testing, and contact tracing, contact tracing that would allow the economy to remain largely open, avoiding the more severe economic and social consequences of a full economic shutdown. These containment interventions are the foundation, the report says, for safely reopening the economy. I would argue that such measures are only the foundation, the starting point. What else do we need to do? What else needs to shift in our behaviors to make city cultural life possible while we're living with a pandemic? A really descriptive buzzword for this time is pivot, which is shifting, moving, doing things differently in order to survive, in order to continue to do what we love, but in different ways. And those who are able to pivot will make it through this pandemic is the theory. So just some examples of pivoting. So I've talked a little bit about how musicians are offering quarantine concerts. Those are intimate online mini concerts from their homes. Um, Michelle and I really enjoyed listening to a group called White Horse, who did 30 minute shows every Friday for 13 weeks from March to May. The Yardbird Suite is offering one hour concerts every Tuesday and Friday, featuring musicians either from their homes or more recently from the Yardbird Suite itself. There's no audience in the venue, though there is a sound tech and sound equipment to broadcast high quality audio and video. You can look this up on Yardbird Suite's um, Facebook page to get the links and you can just watch these wonderful shows online. There's a musician by the name of Dan Mangan. He's out of Vancouver. He started this enterprise called Side Door Access. 
an online platform that musicians can use to sell tickets to their online concerts. Yes, you actually buy tickets online. They're pretty cheap, five to $10. And then you're sent exclusive links so that you can access those concerts and only those who have that link can view them. So they've paid a little bit for these musicians, but it's side door access and it has lots of these shows being offered by musicians, giving them a, a creative outlet, but also income. Uh, the summer of the folk music festivals offered online versions. Um, so highlights from previous years, short concerts by musicians from their home spaces. So the Calgary Folk Music Festival did this, the Edmonton Folk Music Festival did it, Caslow Jazz, etc. Music Festival did it. There's others who are doing this and it's a wonderful way to catch some semblance for those of us who are folkies. Uh, we get our addiction that way. The Edmonton Symphony Orchestra is also pivoting by pairing up with the Art Gallery of Alberta to offer small concerts featuring quartets in the large atrium area at the Art Gallery. Again, it's with limited number of patrons. You can actually come there. They sell tickets in advance and there's lots of physical distancing and masking that people do, but you can take it in live, but it's in a much smaller, uh, or it's a large venue for a small number of people. Um, there's local musicians who offer outdoor yard and neighborhood street block concerts. So Martin Kerr, who many of us know, has found a real success doing that this summer. He has one hour concerts, sometimes several times a day going for the last several months. He just meets uh, either on the street in front of people's places um, or in back, large backyards. And a small number, you know, 10, 12, 20 people gather in safe ways. Um, Opera Nova itself, which is an organization Michelle and I are close to our hearts, staged a wonderful production in a large backyard of a wealthy patron just last weekend. 20 people total sitting quite distance apart and the music happened. It was a wonderful um, way to enjoy music. Museums and art galleries are limiting the number of people allowed in at a time, but they, again, they sell tickets in advance with scheduled time entrances. I was down in Drumheller last week or two weeks ago um, and you had to buy my tickets in advance, but I could go into the Royal Tyrell and they actually did a really good job of allowing people there but having space for people to enjoy it. So those are some examples of pivoting. Um, the city has also been pivoting to make possible the return of more dynamic outdoor public spaces. The city has closed off, you probably have noticed, traffic lanes and has created shared streets for walkers and cyclists. The city has changed the rules to make it easier for businesses to open more outdoor patios and sidewalk cafes and outdoor retail spaces. This allows for greater physical distancing for patrons of restaurants and cafes and pubs. It always, almost always occurs outdoors, which is safer than close indoor spaces and allows those establishments to pivot in offering unique outdoor spaces for us to enjoy this aspect of city culture. However, there, there is still a gap in what larger music and theater venues can do. I'm thinking here of the Jubilee Auditorium, the Windspear, the Citadel, even smaller venues like the Yardbird Suite, the Farscona, Roxy, Walterdale Theatres. Can they pivot and offer productions to reduce physically distanced masked audiences? Do they offer online productions? How do you charge audiences for online viewing? Um, those are all questions um, I'm sure they're all asking. Some professional sports have been able to resume, hockey, international soccer, basketball, US football but they have corporate revenue streams that make up for needing fans sitting in crowded arenas and stadiums. The performing arts are not so fortunate as those professional uh, sports. 
So I think it's complicated and I'm not optimistic that this aspect of our cultural life will be able to return until the pandemic is over, which could be another year, who knows. In the meantime, I personally take full opportunity of taking in these unique musical and theater offerings that are happening online or in small outdoor contexts and in going to local pubs, cafes and restaurants that are quite successfully adopting public health guidelines. We as patrons of city cultural life need to pivot as well. We need to adopt pandemic savvy behaviors that allow us to do our part to support new ways of enjoying city culture. And I'm hopeful that creative, innovative, reimagined ways can be developed for offering performing arts and other live entertainment in the midst of a pandemic. So I'm going to close off this with a musical vision for a vibrant city. You may recognize the song, maybe the artist you don't. Jan Arden is an Edmonton artist or Alberta artist. She uh, did a retake of Petula Clark's song from 1964 called Downtown. I'm going to listen to that now to end on a bit of optimism. Noise and the hurry seems to help I know. 
By the way, that uh, photograph there is the Guggenheim um, Museum Art Gallery in New York City. Hopeful for another time when we can have those kind of crowds. They're probably doing a good job of distancing. So we're nearing the end of our time together. Uh, spend a little time now uh, reflecting on our own lives, um, the highlights, the lowlights. So a little time of meditation um, and then lighting of candles of care and connection. We'll do this virtually, of course. You can enter your thoughts of care and connection in the chat and email them to candles at uce.ca. I have a little reading to start off this meditation um, and then we'll play the music of the head and the heart, a song called Let's Be Still. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be filled with loving kindness. May you be well. May you be peaceful and at ease. May you be whole. May we be filled with loving kindness. May we be well. May we be filled with loving kindness. May we be well. May we be peaceful and at ease. May we be whole. Now we'll play the music, time of meditation and, and sharing of candles.
Just for a moment, let's be still So we already have come to the end of our time together. I'm going to extinguish the chalice with these words. It's actually taken from our Teal hymn book. May your life be as a song, resounding with the dawn to sing awake the light, and softly serenade the stars, ever dancing circles in the night. And we'll sing this together. Again, um, don't turn on your mics because Zoom doesn't do well with 30 mics on at the same time. But do sing to your heart's content and just join me in singing this. Carry the flame of peace and love until we meet again. Carry the flame of peace and love until we meet again. So just in terms of announcements, uh, please see the uce.ca calendar for updates and links. You can email the church office, chatman at uce.ca with any church-related announcements. Looking ahead to next week, um, there will be a coffee hour where you can join the UCE board in conversation. Um, that's at 10.30 next Sunday. And then next Sunday in the afternoon um, is the last of the national uh, online services where Westwood is taking over um, and they'll be hosting the national service at 2 p.m. next Sunday. And now join us for coffee hour. Um, there'll be some breakout rooms, as you know, for those who've been here before. And if you'd like to be assigned a new room, just leave the room and join the host back in the center and we'll see what we can do. And I'm happy to stick around and chat some as well. Thanks everyone for indulging me in my passion and, and I hope it was beneficial for you as well. <laughs>